0: Well, my friends, here we are. It's August 11th, 2019, and we made it. We made it to the two-year anniversary after the tragic events of August 12th, 2017. What's happening this year? In our town this year, grassroots organizations are teaming up with city organizations to educate, inspire, and celebrate what is good and true about this town. Yesterday, I was at the downtown pavilion where the Sing Out event included people from many different faith traditions and backgrounds, where police officers sat with other people and kids ran around safely playing. Quite a contrast to the divisions two years ago on that day. Quite a contrast to the sense of fear two years ago on that day. The leader of the sing out, Pastor Alvin Edwards, reminded us that this city is resilient. It will not be divided and that this nation can grow and hope together. And maybe you remember Pastor Edwards. He was in this pulpit right at the beginning of worship about a month ago, and he also serves, I believe, Zion Union Baptist Church. Mount Zion, thank you for the help. So yesterday, he reminded us that the resilience that we're experiencing here over the last two years can be a gift to other cities, Gilroy, El Paso, Dayton. Because isn't it true that we, as much as any place, know the pain of hearing the name of our city turned into a political talking point? I just want to give a little acknowledgement here that I'm saying the name Our City, and not everybody here lives inside the city limits, so please take my words as a general acknowledgement of our geographic area together. So isn't it true that we know the pain of fear and loss? We know the pain of helping those who died and those who were injured by violent hate Unfortunately, this is not an isolated event in history. There's another story of a town, a city, that experienced a trauma. And this particular story comes from 1978, when the mayor of San Francisco, Harvey Milk, was assassinated. He was a gay man who had inspired the gay community. And now, on that very day, Hearing of his death, they were terrified and confused. So how would they respond? Would they stay home alone? In fear? Some of them decided to gather in the streets and march together, building their courage and hope together. But to bolster them even more, A songwriter, a singer named Holly Near, created words to help them as they walked and moved together. This is what she came up with for that day. We are gentle, angry people and we are singing, singing for our lives. She later explained to someone that when she had written that, she wrote another verse We are gay and lesbian together, and we are singing for our lives. But that night, when she arrived at the event, she looked around, and there were many allies there. So she changed the words on the spot We are gay and straight together. And we are singing, singing for our lives. The story goes on. Decades went by. More tragedies occurred, and Holly and other people kept on showing up to help them sing. Two years ago, she was at an event, and she realized the words needed to be updated. The words that she offers to us today are We are all in this together. Will you say that with me? We are all in this together. And I'm hoping you'll sing it with me right now, and James is going to get us started with the music. This is a gift that we have to offer other people. It's two years later and we are singing together. We're finding our way forward. The people in Dayton and El Paso and Gilroy, we can show them hope. We can let them know that we're singing. There's another tangible thing we can do, we can send them cards. And the plan today is to have a table set up in the social hall where you can go and sign a card and that can be sent to them. Maybe it can be one big group card or little individual cards. One group card would save on stamps, but <laughs> I, think they, I, think the stamp, I think we can afford stamps for them. So um, that's something for you to do in the social hall, because how many of you remember after August 12th when we got cards here? Raise your hand if you remember that. How did that make you feel? There was a big basket up here on our altar overflowing with messages from people around the country who were sending us care and hope. Now we can turn around and do that for others. And yet this still leaves us with the question, why do humans harm each other? Why do humans become divided in their communities And what is at the root of separation? Why would a person want to hold onto a gun and point it at others with hate? This question is explored in the movie The Black Klansman. The filmmaker Spike Lee portrays characters who want to have a sense of meaning and inclusion. They want to have a purpose in life and a connection to others. I'm guessing that most of us can relate to this universal human desire to feel connection, purpose, inclusion. And in the movie, Spike Lee shows how the Klan provided that for some people. And the black power movement provided that for others. The distinction that he portrays is how one movement unites to limit options for others, while the other movement unites to lift up others. As we explore this question more deeply, I wonder if the problem is in our human desire for security. And just like so many universal truths there's a deep paradox. Every human, upon coming into this world at birth, needs the security of being held, clothed, fed, bathed, a safe place to sleep. But when that desire for security is taken in an adult form in a way that becomes a limitation, that becomes building walls and pushing away others, perhaps even in one's ego, needing to build up one's ego for security in a way that needs to put down others. That is perhaps a false sense of security. Many world religions say that ultimately we are one. The security comes not from taking care exclusively of one's self, and I'm talking about an adult self, but of seeing the interconnectedness of all. The opening reading told us all living substance, all substance of energy, being, and purpose are united and share the same destiny. I believe that. But some days when the pain is so great It just feels like philosophy, like theology untethered. Some days it helps to have something to hold on to, something to do. What really helps in times of sorrow, what really helps in times of lament, what really helps when the human heart is growing cold and bitter, can be something concrete, like a kind word, a helping hand, Either as the giver or the receiver. and so on this morning, I am going to encourage each of us to consider what concrete things we can do and to be concrete in the plan, an action, a time frame, and an accountability partner. So I'm going to offer you four ideas, and the trick here is the fourth one's kind of like an open choose your own. <laughs> so Here's the first idea for action. Last week, Barack Obama challenged his fellow citizens to contact their elected representatives about gun violence to say that laws are needed to mitigate the harm being done in this country. A second idea. Two years ago, on the morning after August 12th, ministers from around the country wrote to me and Eric who was the lead minister here at that time, and they said to us, what can we do to help? And the answer from my heart that morning was, teach the children about racism and give them language to speak truth, because when something like that happens in your community, they need to be prepared. It is still needed. We're about to begin a new year of religious education in this congregation. You have an opportunity to sign up and help teach. Third idea, each year this congregation is part of a local effort of congregations to identify issues for policy change on a local level. This effort is called IMPACT and it has concrete steps that you can do together. Fourth idea, this is the one where you get to figure out your particular gifts and talents What do you know about your particular neighborhood or workplace or social scene? What are the needs, the obstacles? And what do you have to contribute to decrease ignorance and increase safety? So I've given you three ideas plus a fourth, choose your own. I'm going to invite you into a moment of silent reflection inwardly now. As you continue to reflect, to see if you can pick one that you think you can do in the coming month. As you reflect, to see if you can envision where you would do it, the location. As you reflect, in your mind's eye, if there's other people involved, try to see them clearly. As you reflect, consider how it would impact your budget or calendar. So now that you've had that time to think inside your head, I am challenging you to say it out loud to someone. Right now, please find a person near you. I'm going to give you three minutes. Share that time between the two of you as concretely as possible. Say what plan you have as much as you've got it developed so far. Go. Thank you for accepting that challenge. After the service, if you want to share contact information with your buddy, that can be a way to report to them that you did follow up on your action plan and to ask them how it went for them. If you didn't find a buddy during this pairing up, the social hall is a great time to find someone. These actions will add up over time. Step by step, the longest march can be done. Many stones form an arch, but singly none. And by union, what we will can be accomplished still. Drops of water turn a mill, but singly none. Those are words to a song. It has been sung in many places over the last few centuries. It has been attributed to various sources. And one of those sources is a rule book from a union of miners. Consider that the miners who are scared for their safety, seeking to activate their power together Every era has its challenges. Every location has its heartbreaks. We are in our current era. But you know what? We have role models who have come before us. The writer Toni Morrison died this week. One of the books she is known for is Beloved, That's the title of the book. (laughs) She received an award for it from many, many, many different places. But one of the many places was the Unitarian Universalist Association in 1988. And at that time, she gave a speech about why she wrote this book about slavery. She said that she knew of no place that a person could go to honor And remember the slave experience. She felt a yes inside herself that she needed to write it, a literary place for a person to go to remember and honor the experience. And as she reflects on what was happening inside of herself as she was doing that action of writing, here is what Toni Morrison said, The primary conviction one has when one begins is that it is absolutely necessary. The secondary certainty is that I alone am the one who can do it. How delusional. It's a strong feeling, but it is also necessary fiction. Necessary fiction one needs to construct in order to do the work. The work which takes so long, and one has to feel just as driven to write without readers and without publishers. And my answer was always yes, oh yes. Toni Morrison was willing to look pain in the eye and see reality for what it is. Seeing reality. Is empowering. Because isn't it tempting to look away from pain, tempting to look away from the pain in our country right now? Perhaps in your personal life there's pain that you want to look away from. But universal wisdom tells us that pushing away pain leads to another layer of suffering. When a person accepts reality they free up energy that was being used to push it away. When we stand in this present moment, not wishing for the past, we have more creativity to offer future generations. I am sad to say that our country seems to be in a new normal of climate change and gun violence, so it is time for new strategies and new actions. I hope that each one of us can find our inner yes, take the steps, do the work of rebuilding, reweaving, and making this earth a place for the next generations to thrive. Blessed be. Amen. Let us reflect in silence together.